0: Welcome to Two Men On, ladies and gentlemen. 110%. Killer Cords. Oh, oh yeah,
1: I remember, I remember that one. Where you are. I was telling you so, suck. You know what? I, I quit. I really quit. <laughs> the Kwame brown of fantasy baseball. I'm on <laughs> somebody to say that. Wait for real party calling, right? Yeah. You're ready, just already. <laughs> <laughs> Which two men are on. T
2: M O, baby. That's hot.
1: Yeah, we don't want to talk about hockey or anything this week.
0: No, we we certainly don't want to talk about hockey this week. Welcome to TMO, ladies. Johnny, I am feeling good, man. I'm sitting here wearing my Patrick Kane jersey with the Lakers in control of the NBA Finals. Things are great.
1: Did you seriously just go there? We just talked about not going there.
0: (laughs) I mean, what? It's a good day in Philly. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. My bad.
1: It's it's still sunny in Philadelphia, but... uh, (laughs) Dude, dude, I mean, to get that third goal and then to give it up in overtime, like uh, as one of my friend's fathers would say, like a pig, um, that's just not cool. What are your yeah. Lakers doing? Because I, I haven't even been following.
0: <laughs> well, right now they're up 2-1. <clears throat> um, got, we're in, in the middle of the, um, of the three-game set in Boston. Uh, game uh, four is tonight, Thursday, and uh, like I said, they're up two-one. So, you know, at at the very worst, you know, we're going back to LA. It, I, I think it really looks like a like an LA and six situation. Um, you know, if Boston really kicks it up a notch, maybe LA and seven. But um, you know, I, I don't. I certainly don't think that Kobe Bryant's going to let us lose uh, this championship on our home floor, and so it's looking good.
1: Well, that's great. That's great. What, what do we got here today?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Coming up on TMO, guys, the Amish try to salvage what's left of a lost season, maybe. <clears throat> Plus, five things the new guy better jot down in BDL orientation. But
2: first... Matchup to watch. Yeah, we've got
1: our uh, matchup to watch here. Um, this is going to be for week 11. Um, I'm telling you, we've got to start tracking these uh, matchups to watch, see if any of our predictions are any good. But uh, I'm sure all <clears> of mine are. Yeah, I'm sure. So, coming uh, coming into week 11, uh, we, we, we took a matchup I'd like to call the marsupial flu. That's what I'm going to call it, uh, for lack of anything else, because uh, we're going to look at the uh, epidemic and the wallabies. Oh, good matchup. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, the, I think they're both playing well. Matt's stuck at the uh, the bottom of the East right now, but um,
0: you know he's stuck. He, you know he is stuck there at the bottom of the division, but he's certainly come on stronger in the last few weeks since you know <clears> probably <throat> at least the last time we, we talked about the epidemic when they were really floundering there. You know, in, in the first few weeks of the season, but um, uh, you know they, they've really they really sprung on lately and and uh, they're they're looking a lot tougher.
1: Yeah,
2: which well, I don't I think. think... Stu-
1: Go ahead.
0: I'm sorry. I mean, you know, I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. Nobody really thought, at least I don't believe, that, um, you know, Baltimore was going to, you know, kind of wallow down there in the basement all season long. Um, everyone kind of expected that trend to break. You know, they're, they're, um, they're losing ways at the start of the season. So, you know, it's really no surprise.
1: Yeah, I mean, and still, coming into the year, it was to me, the teams I did not want to face were the damage, the dogs, and the epidemic. I mean, I saw Howard and he had another big bat in in Dunn, he got Santana, um, I mean I, I was not looking forward to facing the epidemic, um, and rightfully so, I guess. I think they beat me last week. Yep. But, um, let me let me start you off with, uh, with some of the stats so far through the year, because um, see, see what this, what your take might be on on how these stats translate to uh, their records. Uh, Just looking overall in the league through nine weeks now, um, Baltimore's leading the league in several categories. Um, They've got the most hits, uh, which corresponds with the most at-bats in the league, Um, most singles and doubles. Uh, So, trying to figure out what that team's doing there and then we'll look at the specific players um, in a minute, uh, while the Wallabies lead in the league in home runs, uh, slugging percentage, and OPS, um, and that's just the hitting side of it. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, Johnny, I think what that tells me about the <coughs> epidemic specifically is that they're probably on the cusp of breaking out for the year. Uh, you know, when you have a team that's leading the league in doubles, um, you know, you, you kind of, you know, that's kind of a, uh, a, a put you in put you in thought of. You know the, the the minor league analogy of players that are consistently hitting doubles. You know, in the minor leagues, those often translate to home runs as they uh, you know continue to mature as players and, and get a little better. And I think that's kind of the case we're going to see here with a lot of the streaky guys that he's had. You know to start the year, uh, you know despite that they're still hitting really well. And I fully expect that uh, you know those numbers are going to translate. Um, you know to specifically more long balls. As the season drags on now, of course, you know, the, the categories um, that you mentioned, the epidemic leading right now, are not, you know, they're not league scoring categories. So, you know, there's that, you know, to look at. But, you know, assuming, assuming you know, that this analysis is correct, that those are going to translate, you know, to more home runs and, and that sort of thing later on. Then, you know, that will translate in, into into more wins on the scoreboard for the epidemic, you know. As uh, he continues to total more RBIs and runs, and uh, to go along with, with uh, and a greater number of home runs as the weeks uh, roll on here.
1: Yeah, I mean I think the obvious example is Ryan Howard. Uh, right. Just hasn't just hasn't been the same Howard. He's hitting for a good average this year, but it's not helping Matt. Uh, uh, with what he was expecting, I think his yeah. expectations were. Yeah, I mean, and Howard's
0: going to pick it up. You know, <laughs> you know, he's not, he's not to the stage in his career yet where you know you're really worrying about him starting to tail <laughs> off. Uh, you know, he, he's not going to experience this kind of power outage. You know, for, you know, for for the whole for the whole year, it's just not going to happen.
1: Yeah, but then how, how about you look at a guy like Beltre, who's who's his key <laughs> third baseman right now. Um, I mean, how much better can he get?
0: Um, honestly, not, not, not much. I I, I think that, you know, I think that, that, you know, that team is is squeezing about, about what they can get out of Beltre at the moment. Um, you know, which is, you know, a good surprise for the epidemic so far, you know, they, they've needed, you know, some pillars of consistency to kind of weather this early storm and try to get back in this thing for 2010. And, um, you know, Beltre kind of has, has been, been that for them, but, you know, I, I really don't. I don't see him getting really any better as the year rolls on
1: yeah and then I'm looking at his pitchers it's it's kind of it's kind of a mixed bag I mean I'll say this right off the bat I love the Hughes pickup because I was pestering Brian hardcore for him um, it really really got me when uh when I saw I go through um, <laughs> but he's got carpenter and he's pitching well like an ace um, can he hold on he's got Santana who's back Back to being um, number one, and then Zito, who you know I thought he was going to have a pretty good year, but when I traded him away, it's like I never imagined this.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm confident in, in, in uh, Zito keeping this kind of pace, but you know, as far as Hughes goes, you know, that was a very good move for Matt this year. You know, I, I don't think in the long term that uh, Matt is going to win that trade, but that's not what you know, that's not what it's always about, you know, in a dynasty league, you have to make moves very often for the now, and, and give up future resources, um, in the process, and, um, you know, he was at a point, you know, uh, two or three weeks ago, when that move was made, that he simply had to, I mean, he had to make a move to, you know, to try to get back in this thing, and, and you, Hughes, I think, is going to, to pay off in dividends in, in, in 2010, I mean, he's still young, obviously, so, you know, he's, likely going to continue to get better. I hope it gets better. Well, I don't really hope it gets better in terms of my division competition, but, um, you know, Hughes has good stuff. We all know that. And, you know, as far as the the long-term ramifications of that trade, you know, Matt got a good deal in terms of, you know, uh, being able to snag a probably a pretty consistent pitcher over the next several years, I believe. I you know I don't I don't think that, that Hughes is going to be the type <clears throat> to fluctuate too much. So you know that added stability definitely is going to help him crawl back into you know, the wild card mix.
1: Yeah, I mean definitely. I think um, a lot of people commented on the potential of those picks, and I definitely believe in you know Bryce Harper. Um, but getting a guy so young like Hughes, who also has potential, I don't think it was that big of a. A drop off. I think Brian knows what he's doing when it comes to these young pitchers, and it you saw what it took to acquire one of them. Um, hopefully, it's not the case for all of them. <laughs> <laughs> but when I, look at, uh, when I look at the epidemics, like key players we just discussed, <clears throat> I see it as like a mixed bag because I can't, I wouldn't say I would count on all of them to continue with the doing or to improve. And I think that's kind of how the season's going to go for them. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs at this point. Um, even if they get up to third in their division, um, You know, too many other teams that are they're playing well right now, including um, the Falcons and, and the team we'll look at now, the Wallabies, um, who's only a handful of games back from the killer cars right now. Um, and I think, let me point one other thing out. In looking at the stats, not only do they lead the league in home runs, you know, the power categories but earn run average as well with a 3.689 earn run average through nine weeks so give me your initial impression then I have a, a separate question for you
0: uh, well my, my initial impression is <coughs> as far as uh, you know the Wallabies being the league leaders in those categories and I, I hope I'm not getting, getting ahead of myself or, or uh, stepping onto your next question but uh, you know when you look at the number of starts that they have coming up for, for this matchup the epidemic I believe uh, in line right now for 15 pitching starts the Wallabies just 10 but um, the Wallabies have a very efficient pitching staff and that is evidence of course by the fact that uh, you know as of the end of the the previous matchup um, you know he, he uh, they were leading the league in ERA and um, so I, I don't think you know we, we, we look at that a lot the the, the pitching disparities uh, for our matchups, but I, I don't think it means quite as much in this particular matchup because of that
1: Well, yeah, definitely what the, you kind of led into my second question um, in that He kind of uses a uh, A lot of matchups when he's playing his starters, which is I like your opinion on that It's a lot different than some of the other um, Strategies in the league right, in the in the churn and churn and burn Um He's got some pretty good pitchers, you know, there's above average pitchers, then he's got, you know, average Brent, pitchers.
0: Brent, Brent is not traditionally a, you know, a, acquire your set of studs, you know, plug them in as your starters and just let the train roll kind of guy. He, he's not that kind of manager. He, he plays matchups all over the field, whether it's on the mound, you know, at first base, at catcher. I've seen him set McCann this year for several games um you know and we all know we all know what he thinks of Brian McCann so it's you know he he's a very strategic uh, kind of manager when it, when it comes to that and that is a that is a very different you know perspective or outlook on on what it takes to win than probably most of the managers in the league
1: yeah i mean it kind of it's kind of a little reminiscent of uh 2006 i would say
0: yeah yeah, I mean, yeah, for those who, who weren't around, you know, the, the Wallabies were uh, a very, you know, they were a surprise team in 06 as far as their success, um, but uh, they, were, they were also very dominant and, you know, won the regular season that year really playing by playing matchups. And, you know, I think as you, you know, as you kind of look at, at the standings right now, one of the major developing storylines that we have is that the Wallabies, are only five and a half games out of the North Division lead here this this late in the season?
1: Yeah, that's that's major. It's exciting.
0: <laughs> I'm sure you think so.
1: I don't have a whole lot to say about that. <laughs> uh, but but uh, I mean, they're they're proving to be very capable. Um, they're making the wild car race interesting. Um, what else did I got going on? I just I'm just impressed, I mean, I looked at Brent's team at the beginning of the season, you know CBS projects all these guys and and you look down his roster, everyone's gonna hit thirty home runs and it's like well, they're not all going to or some may improve, but uh, so far so good for his team,
0: yeah, I mean you know things are really looking up for the wallabies this year and and uh, you know he hasn't uh, that that team has not made the playoffs since his Infamous uh, 2006 campaign when he won the regular season but was bounced in his first playoff matchup that year. Uh, You know, they've not been back to the postseason since, but you know, that train is charging fast and steady toward um, a wild card right now. And and, and the way things are looking, and and frankly, uh, I know you won't have much to say about this, but the way the killer cards have been playing the last few weeks, you know, I I don't know that we, we don't have a division race here
1: maybe we do
0: maybe we maybe do, we do <laughs> maybe we do Brent
1: maybe we do Oh, uh, um but I would welcome it I would welcome an interdivision <laughs> race um it's only been two years that I've won this thing before that the Nats won it and before that the Wallabies won it um but it's just been by such a large margin the past couple of years that no one really thinks I'm telling you the North Division is solid and we will look at the Brotherhood um later on but um, I would welcome any any type of uh, rivalry, uh, race. It's very exciting. So let's see, before we uh, make our pick, we got a couple injuries. Epidemic has a uh, few starters out, but with 15 starts versus 10, I don't think that's going to make a difference. Olsen, Outman, and Stauffer. Wallabies have uh, Wang, Wong, <laughs> Divine, uh, <laughs> Eric Young Jr., um, Again, nothing much from what I can tell.
0: No, I, I don't uh, think there's there's going to be anything of, of any real impact, you know, as far as injuries go in, in this matchup. It's it's really a matter of, or or, or you know, a, a case of, of you know, two teams that have t- well, not really two different things in mind. Obviously, they're both chasing the playoffs, but uh, uh, you, you know, the the epidemic are you know kind of in a desperate situation, you know, right now. Here, pretty much at the you know the midway point of the season trying to build as much momentum as they can to to possibly make a run, you know, at, at a wild card. And, and we see the Wallabies, you know, I think really tasting blood for the first time in a few years and, you know, where they, they have, you know, they have first place in the North Division in their sights. And, you know, this late in the season, that hasn't happened for, for a good while. And, and uh, you know, both teams are, are very motivated just, just by – you know, just by different circumstances.
1: Yeah. Brent's tasting blood, huh?
0: I, I think so. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. You know, we, we've seen the Wallabies be sellers, you know, at the last few trade deadlines, but I, I think we're going to see the exact opposite this year. I really do.
1: I'm thinking it's not from, like, a rare steak or anything.
0: <laughs> Probably not. Probably. Johnny, who do you have in this matchup?
1: I'll tell you what. I'm going to surprise you. I love the Wallabies this year. Love them. But I'm going to go Epidemic. Um, hmm. number of starts I think is going to outweigh Brent's matchups. Um, I think his guys are coming on. Like you said, I think Howard's going to produce. Uh, you already see signs that the Phillies lineup is going to produce. Um, as well as uh, the number of closers. We didn't talk about that earlier, but um, Baltimore's got quite a few closers versus the Wallabies, one, two, if he's got any. Um, so I'll just give a slight edge, maybe five, six wins uh, to the Epidemic.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this one's certainly going be, to be close, but um, I'm going to go the other direction. I think the wallabies are just playing a little too consistently right now, maybe for the epidemic to, to be able to handle uh, probably something around 6'4 wallabies. Okay, guys, let's throw it to Daisy Baker down on the farm.
2: Howdy, y'all. Daisy Baker here, on location in Northern California. Where the defending BDL champs are always trying to sign the next big stud. Recent free agent Jonathan Singleton, scooped up by the team this week after posting monster numbers at Class A Lakewood, ain't likely to see the majors anytime soon. But the 18-year-old turned enough heads to reportedly attract the attention of at least two BDL franchises. The 2009 eighth-round pick is hitting 4-10 in 22 games since debuting, including four homers. He's the best high school hitter I've seen since Ian Stewart in the South Atlantic League, and prior to him, Manny Ramirez, one scout said. Anthony Rizzo, singleton's competition at first base in the damages farm system, is displaying moderate power, slugging five home runs at each stop on his minor league campaign so far in 2010. But the Fort Lauderdale native is struggling mightily against both righties and southpaws for an overall average of 251 at the plate. Against lefties, the 2009 midseason All-Star has managed only five hits in 21 at-bats. Despite leading the majors in saves, team officials are hoping Falcons closer Matt Capps continues to blow close-out opportunities in Washington opening the door for Drew Storin to steal a few. Though currently on NorCal's minor league roster, Storin is pitching in relief for the Nationals and has picked up two wins in ten innings of work. For TMO, I'm Daisy Baker. Bye, y'all. Well, bust my britches, y'all. I've just been handed a note from the Polidoro for Ripken Camp. Here it goes. I'm Daisy Baker, TMO Minor League Correspondent, and the only good thing about this show, well, quite honestly, in my opinion. I'd like to tell y'all a tale. A few years ago, I was scouting the minor leagues in Syracuse, New York. I was talking to my boyfriend, Scotty, when out of the clear blue, some punk grabbed my purse and ran like hell. Well, Scotty tried to catch him, but he slipped and fell and piled him up, that clumsy fool. I then noticed a man, a superman, if you will, jump out of nowhere and tackle that punk. He was on that boy like white on rice and delivered a beating better than these southern eyes ever seen. He returned my purse to me and then disappeared. Y'all, just being honest here, he's my hero. So, y'all want to guess who that was? Paid for by the friends of Polidoro for Ripkin.
1: And remember, you too can advertise your on the block or league happenings here at TMO.
0: Okay, guys, on our next segment, we're going to call this one Hard Luck Amish. Taking a look at the Amish Brotherhood and, and Johnny, really what uh, has become kind of a lost season for, for, for Joe Weish here. And, uh, you know, that, that squad, um, at least from Joe's perspective, had a lot of, a lot of high expectations this year. In terms of its, uh, you know, competitiveness and uh, potential, um, you know, shot at the playoff berth, which would be the first in franchise history, were that to happen. Um, what, what do you what do you see as, as the problem here? I mean, you know, we've got a, a team that's last in the North Division. I'm sure that uh, you know he he anticipated being much more in the thick of things at this point in the season.
1: Oh man, I don't know, man. I I um I look at his team and I love it. I mean, sometimes I say things that are just very obvious, but um, that that's a good thing. That means, you know, I was concerned about him. I was concerned about Brent this year coming into the season, um, facing the cars. And I'm trying to figure out his team. Like, uh, I think you mentioned that the only key injury they've had is Sizemore, so...
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's really the perplexing thing about the Amish right now. You know, they're they're not really that banged up. You know, uh, Grady Sizemore really is the only significant um, you know starter that that squad is missing at the moment. Of course, and you know, the update on Sizemore is that he is out for the season now uh, with his injured knee, and that's you know a big blow to the Amish. But um, obviously not the key to the season or at least the way it has gone because frankly Sizemore has not produced really this year at all anyway you know as he was kind of bouncing around between um you know uh, playing and, and and sitting due to to some nagging injuries but you know he he wasn't doing much for that team anyway so that that's that's really not the culprit
1: you know yeah, I mean he's also he's also got uh what I think I mean I'm sure you agree he's going to be what looks like the the NL Cy Young this year? Who's pitching like Bob Gibson? He's got some other quality starters, right? Um, I mean, is this is this a luck factor? Is this uh... um,
0: you know, when you when you look across, you know, his roster, <coughs> I, I don't think it's really so much luck as it is he has way too many guys that are just flatly underperforming. Um, you know, you you look at Felix Hernandez there; he's sitting with a three and five record and a, a much more bloated ERA than he's used to at uh, 3.76. you know, that, that's, you know, when you're talking, you know, fantasy purposes, that's not really a, a, a bad ERA per se, but, you know, for someone who's invested as much as he has in Felix Hernandez, you know, I'm sure he expected to see that somewhere around the two range.
1: Yeah, let's, to put it into perspective, a 3.76 would wouldn't even cut it on the Wallabies roster.
0: <laughs> right. <clears throat> And, you know, Felix, with another, you know, poor outing this past Tuesday, allowed seven earned runs. He's been really up and down, really inconsistent this year. And, you know, that may be the most, you know, as, as far as storylines for the Amish are concerned this year, the, the most disappointing so far for Joe.
1: Yeah, I, I you know a guy like Deshares is going to come around. Um, but I, I think, again, it, it might be too deep a hole because – He's got virtually the same record as as the epidemic, with under forty wins, um, forty plus losses, and uh, there's a lot of competition in the league so far this year. Um, the bums, the bums have a better record than these two.
0: Oh man! So, I mean, who, who ever thought that? Who would have thought that at all?
1: Never, never.
0: You know, it's 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 really crazy. You know, as you mentioned, Teixeira batting. You know. Batting 220 on the year right now. Does have nine home runs, but uh, 220, wow. Uh, Pedroya uh, batting 252, certainly not you know, what he expected from the former uh, MVP there. And Pedroya has shown a little more power this year, has eight home runs on the year so far, and uh, that, that kind of puts him per- into perspective. To share his numbers though, with, with Pedroya, eight home runs, You know, just one shy of, of Texas total right now. Um, another big disappointment, I'm, I'm pretty sure, for Joe, you know, Matt Widers. I, I, I would imagine he expected a lot more out of him as his starting catcher, uh, you know, it, 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 for, for 2010. Um, 246 on the year so far, four home runs. I think the most telling stat, though, only 17 RBI. And, you know, uh, Widers such a touted prospect, and, I, you know, I still think he'll come around. But you know, when you have all these guys underperforming that greatly across the board, there's just not much that the brotherhood can do to you know to to claw back into this thing this year John
1: <clears throat> i i'm not sure what he would want to do anyway i mean this it's such a good group of core guys and and you know that you know catchers take a t- take time to to come around it just looked it looked so good for weeders. like you know this was going to be the guy that can can break through can can dominate right away kind of like Hayward's doing this year and mm-hmm. um no such luck. I mean, is it a supporting cast? I don't know. I think I think he's just young, and yeah, um, I, I, I think the team is going to come around. I love his players, and and they have track records most of them. Um, but right. Like, like I said, it's, it might just be too late. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, I think that is going to be the case this year. It's just probably too <coughs> late. You know, I. It, it is important to note that you know the Amish did break a month long winless streak last week uh, when they played the Rockets. Right now, though, they're being. Um, bested by the Generals um, at, at this point on Thursday here in in, uh, in uh, week ten, but um, you know we'll see how how the weekend goes on that. But you know I, I think something we, we should look at here, you know as we kind of as a bridge from our last segment from the matchup to watch. Do you think the Wallabies are kind of scooping the Amish's Thunder this year because? You know, it, it, where the Wallabies are right now, five and a half games out of first place in the north, you got to think that's, a, that's about where Joe expected the Amish to be here at, at ten weeks into the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Joe did. I expected Joe to be there. Um, I also expected Brent to be there. I thought they would really battle out for two, three, uh, you know, hoping they didn't come to battle me at one. Um, I think Brent... French should deservedly get the attention right now, um, because the Amish have just been average so far.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, if we take a look at, at uh, you know Joe's comments on on the the Amish's Vegas odds this year, he predicted himself, or the Amish, I should say, for a hundred and ten wins in 2010. That would equate right now to about six wins per week for the rest of the year in order to attain in order to attain that. Is is that still possible?
1: Well, I'll tell you, you know, given he only has one injury, if his players perform to their peak capabilities, I think it is, but I don't think it's very likely.
0: Yeah, it's probably Um, not likely, but, you know, with that roster, if if they were able to kind of flick a switch, you know, to start next week or something, I I think it's absolutely possible. Again, as you say, it's certainly not likely, but um, it's got a strong squad from top to bottom, and, and you know, uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, the everyone that, that he has right now that's struggling kind of figured things out, you know, here around the All-Star Breaker or, or a little ways before. But, um, again, as you say, too late.
1: Yeah, that's what we'll we'll see. And we'll talk about this probably over the next few weeks, um, see which direction he heads. First base, play, it's all over.
0: It's ninth inning rally time. Let's kick it off with a TMO top five.
1: All right, let's look at the top five traits. The BDL is not one, and it's next GM. All right, number five, an uncanny snowboarding ability.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've uh, I think we've been through that once before, Johnny.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Number four, an inability to discern a quality stake from shoe leather
1: hmm who
0: could that be be?
1: alright number three a scary ass clown logo fetish
0: (laughs) just please change the logo whoever comes in just just change the logo seriously
1: no doubt
0: just throw up some new paint you know a little remodeling they're on the cbs page that's all we ask number two
1: Boy, that was quiet. And uh, number one, uh, the, the number one thing the BDL does not want in its next GM, a Cubs fan.
0: A Cubs fan. Absolutely. We have too many already.
1: It's like it's like 18 Cubs fans, and we only have 16 teams. I know.
0: How did that happen? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, guys, time for the TMO quote of the week. This one coming at you all the way from, well, last week. Quote, sure, Scotty. I'll be your push-up buddy, Joe Weech. Okay, Johnny, give me your week 11 nail biter.
1: Uh, nail biter, I'm going to go uh, damage over falcons because I actually want the falcons to win.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I had mine jotted down um, the exact opposite, actually. I'm, I'm going falcons over damage. Um, actually. I think this matchup has the potential not to be a nail-biter at all. Either team could probably score you know, six, seven wins on a good week against the other. So, But uh, I think it will probably end up being, being pretty close. So that, that, that's my pick. Yeah, should
1: be a nice matchup.
0: Okay, guys, thanks for tuning in again. We're going to be coming at you next Friday with our Week 12 preview. So we will see you then. And, Johnny, I hope you don't cry too hard over your flyers.
1: We'll see. I'm going to drink a lot tomorrow night.
0: <laughs> thanks, guys. You've been listening to Two Men On.
1: We're out.
2: TMO, these men always know where their balls are.